0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The latest episode of St. Louis Public Radio's We Live Here podcast is out, continuing the season-long focus on housing. This latest chapter looks at rental property and some of the twists and turns involving affordability and renters' rights, as well as some of the legal issues facing landlords and tenants. I spoke with reporter-producer Tim Lloyd on the rental issue.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that comes up in this particular episode is that there's a reputation around the country, and I think here locally too, that St. Louis is an extremely affordable place to live. Mm-hmm. And that certainly is true if you have a decent income. But for for folks who are maybe making the minimum wage mm-hmm. or right around there, uh, St. Louis is still a very expensive place to live. And the ramifications of the mortgage crisis are still mm-hmm. being felt every day by lots of folks. So when you talk about what issues are facing renters, when you think about affordable housing, um, there's not a great affordable housing stock in St. Louis still. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes in an older city like St. Louis, uh, because some of the buildings are in not necessarily the best shape, that sort of exacerbates the issue. This particular episode that, that is coming out today deals with the question of what, what actually makes a place livable or habitable. And it turns out that if as it stands, there's a common practice in the state of Missouri that if a tenant wants to challenge whether a, a landlord is essentially holding up their end of the deal, you know giving them a livable place for whatever rent that they're paying, if they wanted to challenge that in court, they would have to oftentimes pay essentially their rent into the court, sort of like into an escrow account. Mm-hmm. And this particular episode deals with a, su- a case currently uh, before the Supreme Court uh, of Missouri, I should say, mm-hmm. and questioning whether or not that practice is essentially fair.
0: We should point out, if they're putting that money in escrow, uh, they don't have that money to That's pay the rent thing, someplace right?
1: else. Yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. what sort of uh, advocates for removing this practice mm-hmm. um, will bring up, is that and you know we should say too the eastern district of appeals agreed with that essentially saying that this is an especially harsh practice on low income folks who mm-hmm. then can't take the money that they would be paying into a court and then go out and look for you know better housing mm-hmm.
0: Let's take the case in point that okay. they used in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I recall it, having heard it uh, 24 hours ago, yeah. uh, it involved a ceiling collapsing it in did. the apartment house. And uh, then the question becomes landlord, are you going to fix this for me?
1: Right. So essentially, what happened is a, a woman by the name of Latasha Johnson was renting uh, an apartment in northwest St. Louis County. And she had some problems with this apartment, some maintenance issues. And then uh, one day, literally, the ceiling to her bathroom caves in. There was that much water damage. So she goes to the landlord, I think, like most of us would, and said, hey, by the way, the ceiling has just collapsed in my bathroom. Uh, You might want to take a look at that. Tries to remedy the problem. Essentially what, and there's photos of this, we should say, too. The landlord covers it up, uh, puts up trash bags. She says, that's not good enough and ends up spending some money to stay at a hotel and says, you know, I'm not going to pay your rent until you fix this thing. Long story short, she ends up getting evicted. That case then, she goes to Legal Services of Eastern Missouri and says, I need some help with this. I don't think this is right legally. And Latasha meets a very young lawyer by the name of Lee Camp. I think he had been practicing law for maybe six months. And just so happens that he has a real passion for housing law. Fast forward a couple of years, and they are before the Missouri Supreme Court challenging this practice of whether or not she should have to pay money into an escrow account that the court holds in order to challenge whether or not this apartment is actually habitable.
0: And it's it's a long road, as you indicated. It oh, takes yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. And a number of lawyers were in on this whole process. Arch City Defenders, as I recall, was a big part of
1: it. Absolutely. So what happened is that um, Lee Camp, who's the attorney here, he was uh, fresh out of law school and working at Legal Services of Eastern Missouri. He then switched firms, and he's now Arch City Arch- Defenders, and he took that case with him. All righty.
0: So what did they do with it?
1: Well, they appealed a lower court's decision through the Eastern District of Appeals. And then the Eastern District ruled essentially in uh, LaChassa Johnson's favor, but then said this whole question this uh, about whether or not she should have to pay money essentially into a court to challenge her landlord, uh, whether or not they're providing a livable place. That's actually has a much broader implications across the state. That's how it then gets kicked up to the Missouri Supreme Court. So the M- Supreme Court of the state heard oral arguments about a year ago, and still no decision has been issued. So they're waiting. They're waiting this thing out. And meanwhile, Latasha still has an eviction on her record, which is a major roadblock in order for her to find another place to live.
0: The lawyers, as I understand the story, really came up with a fairly clever tactic, and that is that they came upon the notion of using this as a consumer issue, which is an important part of this case.
1: There was a case out of the Western District of Appeals in 1973 called King versus Moorhead. And essentially what that court decided was that there was an agreement that was implied between a renter and a landlord that the place that they were renting is livable. And that was sort of a shift away from more agrarian focused uh, law around renting. That's called the implied warranty of habitability. Essentially what they did was they kept pushing that idea up through the courts saying that, you know, listen, this is a contract just like any other contract. Uh, and if you are buying a product, you have a reasonable expectation that the product works. Housing is obviously a little bit different than that. Mm-hmm. But they would they argue that the same kind of rules apply here.
0: But the notion that the tenant is a consumer is a right. little bit different.
1: It, it is. And, you know, again, this gets back into the question of whether or not um, an individual should have to pay Uh, continue paying essentially for a product that they are challenging whether it's livable or not. Mm -hmm. Now, I should just say in fairness that the attorneys on the other side of that issue say if you allow people to bring these challenges to courts without having to pay essentially rent into escrow, then the investors will say, well, we're not going to build any more affordable housing. Mm -hmm. So you can take that or leave that argument. Uh, I'll leave that for folks to decide. But it's important to note as well that this this concept, this legal concept of the implied warranty of habitability is not for things like you know my paint is chipping in on the walls or something. There's a number of criteria that have to be met in order to bring a legal challenge on these grounds what What are some of those? Well, uh, a ceiling falling in, <laughs> like in the case of latasha Johnson. so things that would legitimately become an issue in in terms of making a home actually a a healthy, safe place to live. So exposed wiring, you know, things like vermin, cockroaches, things like that, things like that, that would rise to the level of really becoming a a health and safety issue.
0: At this point, it would seem that the the landlord really has the advantage at this point.
1: Well, housing advocates would certainly say that. I'm sure that there's a lot of attorneys who represent landlords who would say that, that that's not really the case. I'll let the audience decide you know, which side they want to take on that. I mean, in terms of just procedural things, you know, the the process is much quicker to get uh, an eviction through than it would be in other types of of cases. And what that can often present, if you you talk to housing attorneys or people who uh, are housing advocates, they will tell you that that is a huge issue. Because this process can be so quick, it makes it difficult, again, to bring challenges before a court.
0: What is Latasha's status right now?
1: Uh, She's between places to live. She's had a struggle over the last three years. Um, You know, it hasn't been easy. There's any number of people, I I don't know the exact figure, but a lot of people in our community have evictions on their record. And if you have an eviction on your record, that is a major block to find housing. She's had jobs. She's working right now. So it's not like there's no income there. But with that eviction on her record, it's a problem. Yeah, if you can't find a stable place to live... That's a big issue.
0: Well, then you become homeless. And that's another issue entirely.
1: Right. Right. right.
0: So where does it go from here? You say the decision is expected sometime in the relatively near future. Well, uh,
1: yeah, no one really knows. Uh, at this point, the Missouri Supreme Court has had this case for a year.
0: What's the best that can come of this? Clarification of existing law?
1: Again, depending on which side of this issue you you take. If you're a housing advocate, what the best that could come of this is saying that this common practice of requiring people to pay money essentially into a court in order to challenge whether or not a place is livable before a court, clarifying that that is not actually law, that that's just common practice, that's not something a court has to require, would be what they would argue a major removal of a roadblock to providing equal access to justice for many, many, many low-income folks.
0: And once again, as you have indicated in your previous two episodes, there is a particular class of people that is especially vulnerable, generally people of color and certainly people who are poor. Absolutely. Looking forward to the next one. Thank you. Anything you want to add?
1: Before I go, I have to do my shameless plug and say that we are on every kind of podcasting app on the face of the planet or so I am told. And if you want to follow these issues, we're going to we're in digging into housing and race all season long. There's a lot to get into and if you want to follow this issue Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. If you don't know how to do it, Google it. There's lots of great instructional videos out there. And that's the end of my shameless plug.
0: Don't be afraid of a shameless plug. Well, it's, thank it's you, there Don. Because, I appreciate it's that. It's there because you're doing good work and people <laughs> want to you. distribute it.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you, Don.
0: Tim Lloyd is producer-reporter along with Camille Stanley of our We Live Here podcast. And just in case you didn't pick up on it, We Live Here is available wherever you get your podcasts. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.